0: Welcome to the Careerwise Nurse podcast. This is your place if you are launching your career as a nurse or are preparing to launch, if you're growing into your role or growing into a new role, or if you're seeking to thrive or just need a little refresh in your work as a nurse or your life as a nurse. Living your best nursing life is doesn't just happen. It takes energy and dedication. On this podcast, you will have the opportunity to learn, live and love all the experiences of being a nurse. Nursing is truly an amazing journey. It's your amazing journey. It's your license, it's your career, it's your job, it's your reality, and it's your certification. It's all about you. You will get strategies and stories, inspiration, information on how to live your best life in this podcast. This is all about helping you stay fresh, energized, and making sure that you are your best self on the job. And when you're off the job, when you finish that day shift or that night shift, or your day is done. And this is about today, tomorrow, and your nursing future. So hang on. Thank you for being here with me on this amazing journey that we call nursing life. It's Natalie, and I'm going to tell you about my pre-op experience. The last episode talked about my final moments before I left my house to go to the hospital for the left mastectomy, and I needed to have a sentinel node biopsy on the left side. And there was an area on the right side that had shown up as abnormal or suspicious. It was a non-mass enhancement on MRI. There was a biopsy done at the end of May. It was benign but it was something that is typically removed. So my breast surgeon was gonna go in and remove something on the right side. To get to the point where I went to surgery, it was an all day affair. I got to the hospital about quarter to 11, and I had to go down to the cashier and pay for one piece of my surgery that I was gonna have done. It's a nerve graft to try and restore the sensation to my left nipple. My insurance wasn't going to cover it. So I paid that, and then I went to the check-in for surgery. The area was full of people. It took a while, but when I gave them my name, they they gave us a piece of paper with a case number on it, and it basically gave my husband information on how he was going to be tracking me in terms of how I went through surgery, from waiting my turn to go back to surgery to the pre-op area until I was in recovery. So after a little while, I get called back to pre-op, and I'd say it was around 11.30. A tech takes me back. The lady was older than me. She was very kind. As I went down the hall and around to my room was my first glimpse of the whole surgical area. The floors were dark. The walls were white. It was cold. It felt distant and not cozy at all. I get to my room there's a there's a gown to put on i think it was even paper i don't remember and there was a bath and a bag that i needed to do so she explained that to me i'm literally following the directions on the back of the package because i remember from working as a hospital educator and having to do training for new hires new hire nurses everything that goes into the baths that are done to prevent infection in the hospital same thing for me i had to do this whole body bag bath. And it tells you, wipe down this part with one wipe. Wipe down this part, like one arm, then the other arm, and then the chest and the trunk. And I don't even remember, but I did it like the instructions said, from shoulder to knees. I did it. I knew this was really important. It was part of the protocol that hospitals have to try to reduce infection. I thought I was going to end up getting a Foley catheter. So I know they're really big on preventing infection related to catheters. And so I was all on, you know, in terms of doing this bath to prevent any risk of infection. Did that, had my gown on, had to lay down on the stretcher in this little room. And the lady took my blood pressure, temperature, all that. Pull socks. And she left. And I happened to be right across from the nurse's station. And it was a busy place, lots going on. Eventually, my nurse came in. And she was very nice. Her name was Claire. It was her first job. She'd been there five years. And I think she started in labor and delivery, and now she was in pre-op. She was very good. She put in my IV. It was one of the first things she did. And she put it in my hand uh, close to my pinky in a a decent-sized vein. She got it on the first try, and I didn't feel a thing. I had to do a urine pregnancy test, and I do not remember anyone telling me that. When I did my pre-surgery call with that nurse, I don't remember her saying anything about needing to do a urine pregnancy test on the day of surgery. So I thought, oh my gosh, I have no desire to go to the bathroom because I haven't had anything to eat or drink in hours. And it's 1230, it's like 12, 12 or 1230. So I went to the bathroom, turned on the faucet. I was able to produce enough urine for her to do the urine pregnancy test. But I had my husband write notes because I wanted to share my experience through all of this. Because it's very foreign, unless you are the patient. I really believe, having been an oncology nurse, it didn't prepare me for any of this. Maybe a nurse in pre-op who goes to surgery herself as a patient, himself as a patient, would be be familiar. But I really, this is a whole new experience that I had no idea how it was going to go. And it didn't cross my mind that I would need to do the urine pregnancy test. And of course, it does make sense that I needed to do that. Now somewhere in this time frame of 12 to 12:30 I when I was somewhere where I was doing the urine test and all that I had the IV in my right hand just a I also got a little cocktail from my nurse. And I think she went through the health history first, did the usual questions. She asked well she did an assessment for sleep apnea, screened me because that was part of their protocol, she said. And then I got the cocktail It was a cup full of pills, a Celebrex, a 1,000 milligrams of Tylenol, a Xanax, and she gave me a scopolamine patch and a lidoderm patch. So the lidoderm patch went on my left breast because I was going to get the nuclear medicine injection somewhere soon after, sometime soon after being in pre-op. So I took my cocktail had never thought to ask what would be the procedure in pre-op in terms of medicines or any of that. I just knew I was going to be showing up at 11 a.m., which is three hours before my case was scheduled to be started. And somewhere in here, in in this time, probably after I took my little cocktail, my surgeon showed up to consent me, the breast surgeon. And I'd already asked when I got to the pre-op area and was with my nurse there, was the, my surgeon running on time or was she running behind? And the nurse looked and saw that it was going to be about an hour later than scheduled. So at least 3 p.m. before I my case started. So I saw the surgeon consented for everything. And then along came the plastic surgeon. And she says, I need to mark you. So I had purple marker, which I don't have a picture of, but she marked me in a way that was useful to her. I had a purple line down my sternum, and then lines across the bottom below the breasts. So then it was around 1 PM. It was time for me to go to nuclear medicine to get that injection, which would be for the sentinel node biopsy. I get in the wheelchair and my nurse takes me down there, leaves me there, and the nuclear medicine tech does the procedure. I did not see a doctor, an MD, or a nurse when I was in nuclear medicine. The person that did my injection, nuclear medicine, in my left breast near the nipple area, in the but in the left breast upper inner quadrant, which is where the cancer was, the tech did it. She did a timeout, but I never saw anyone else in this room where the injection was done. But the note from nuclear medicine, the procedure note, is from a doctor. So that's one of those mysteries of my care that I that I never saw a provider, yet it was a service. I was charged, I'm sure, for that separately than anything else. Just know that all kinds of people are doing things on you, and everything is documented. But in my case, I never really saw the provider that wrote the note for the procedure that was done by a tech in nuclear medicine. Overall, the injection was painless. She took off that lidoderm patch, she cleaned up that area, and she injected. I didn't really feel anything. I had asked a friend who previously went through this, and she said it wasn't bad. But before that, when I read a little bit about what, it's, what they do to prepare you for sentinel node biopsy, I, I saw that they inject into the breast this radioactive substance. It's blue it just seemed a little bit uncomfortable to think about somebody putting a needle in my breast. And then somebody took me back to my pre-op room. At some point after that, the anesthesiologist came in and she did her screening. So lots of people were coming to see me, both my surgeons, the anesthesiologist, I had the nurse, and then that initial tech that brought me back from the waiting area, and did my first vital signs, made sure I washed myself with the bath in a bag. Now it was probably 1.30, and I still wasn't going to surgery anytime soon. I knew that my surgery was at least an hour delayed. I ended up watching TV, and I had my husband flip through the channels, and I landed on the Hallmark channel, and I watched some movie. I didn't see the end of it, but it kept me occupied from like or 2 until about 3.45. I fell asleep just briefly. I didn't really feel nervous. I clearly had no sense of what this whole experience would be. And my thought leading up to the pre-op experience was help is on the way. You know, I'm finally having the surgery that I've been waiting for. And it's really been four weeks since I found out that I had a cancer It seemed like an eternity to get to the date of surgery, and there were a lot of things I had to do to get to that point, but really, when it was in that moment, I wasn't nervous. In the days prior, like several days prior, I was having some fears of what if something went terribly wrong, and I actually wrote an email to my kids, and one of my daughters said, you know, you made that email to us, and it sounded like you were going to die or something. I really trusted the people that were doing the surgery. Before I even got there, I just trusted them that I was going to be okay. But in my mind, I knew there's always a possibility that something doesn't turn out the way it's planned. Although it's a very small possibility, I just had to face the reality. So I didn't really tell my daughter she was right. And I didn't really mean to sound like, farewell, I've loved you. I'm sorry. I can't be here with you. But I just knew that I wanted to tell my kids how much I loved them, how proud I was of them, because I wanted to be sure they knew that before I was going to surgery. The other thing I thought about as I calmed my nerves or kept a good sense of calm in my moments leading up to surgery, the days leading up to surgery, is I said, I know that people go to surgery and come out of there just fine all the time. I worked as part of a large team of hospital educators, and my colleagues in that department included people who worked in pre-op, you know, peri-op services, pre-op, OR, and PACU. And I learned how they practiced because of some of the things that were discussed in our meetings and some of the issues they had in terms of practice and education and clinical practice guidelines. So, I was able to calm myself down in that way. And the other thing that sort of helped me get perspective is I said to myself, even out loud to my husband, I said, you know, airplanes take off and land all the time, all the time. And we don't hear anything about what's going on at the airport or in the sky. Hardly ever. It's just going on all the time. All that traffic is moving. I said, the OR is the same way. People are going in and out of there all the time the process is set up to keep the patient safe. I'm going to be fine. Things go on in a certain way. That's all done as planned. So I will be okay. The airplane analogy and then knowing people that work to support clinical practice in the operative process helped me to calm myself down and just feel okay and focus on the reality that I was getting this cancer removed and Soon, I was going to have the information I needed to get the full picture of what the extent was of this cancer diagnosis, especially were the lymph nodes involved, how big was the actual tumor, the invasive ductal carcinoma, and how much of that area on my left breast was ductal carcinoma in situ or DCIS that are stage zero, the, the stuff that is in the ducts and it's not right, but it hasn't escaped. It's not invasive yet. So I was finally going to get to the point where full information about that cancer diagnosis and getting to the next step where it's formulating a treatment plan was just a week away. Whereas in May, when I first met with the breast surgeon knowing I had a cancer, she said she would get me to surgery in two to three weeks, but it was actually four weeks from that time. That seemed like an eternity, although that four weeks from the meeting with the breast surgeon when I knew I had a cancer until I went to OR was filled with a lot of appointments it still was a long time to wait with the unknown still out there how involved were the lymph nodes if at all what's the actual tumor size and there was the other piece about not knowing what was in the right breast and thinking i wasn't going to know about that was it benign or malignant on the right breast it was another non mass enhancement on the mri that needed to be investigated i was you know waiting a long time for that information to be known as well i was finally going to get the information we needed to move forward. So back to my pre-op experience, just a little quick wrap up. And about three o'clock, I asked, what's the status? How long until I go to the OR? By then, my nurse had already said her shift was ending. She came in at five, maybe she finished at 1 p.m. She was about to be done. I think when I was going to nuclear medicine around 1 p.m., she was already going to finish her shift. But then she came back and she put my SEDs on, maybe around two. But at some point in there, closer to three, I found out it was gonna be an hour to an hour and a half longer. So I wasn't gonna to go to surgery until four or four thirty. Yet I was gonna be, I was supposed to be going at 2 p.m. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, okay, my surgeon probably didn't take a lunch break. She's gonna power through. And I think I even asked about my breast surgeon, does she take a lunch break? And I believe the nurse said no. And I'm thinking, okay, great. She's gonna pass out from not eating and being in the OR for eight hours plus when it's my turn to go to surgery. That does not feel good. But then quarter to four, the anesthesiologist came in, a different one, a guy with his name embroidered on his hat. And I don't know who else, two other people came in and they said, okay, we're here to take you to surgery. Something about the bathroom, either they asked me if I needed to go to the bathroom or they said, do you want to go to the bathroom? And I asked if I was going to have a Foley catheter, and they said no, which was fine because even though I was under the impression I would, uh, I didn't need anyone to mess with my bladder tone by inserting a catheter. So the anesthesiologist said, you, "Do you want to go now? Because we don't really want you to have too full of a bladder." I'm thinking, okay, I haven't had anything to drink for eight hours plus, and I probably don't have to go. But I went up to the went into the bathroom and then came back out emptied my bladder, no problem, came back out, got on the stretcher, which was in that little pre-op room I was in. And the guy said, this medicine is going to kick in in about 30 seconds. So I remember getting wheeled out of the room and I was right by the nurse's station. And the place was pretty quiet by quarter to four, 10 of four in the afternoon, because most of the activity was done, yet I was still waiting and just going to the OR at that time. I was out of the room when they took my bag and put it in the locker, and I don't know what happened after that. Later that night or the next morning, I remember that that doctor, the anesthesiologist, came in my room with two other people. They were ready to take me back to the OR. It was quarter to four. I was out of it. The minute we rolled. I was rolled out of the pre-op holding room, realizing later on, looking back on that whole pre-op experience to the moment I was going to the OR, I realized they gave me conscious sedation, and I didn't even have any recollection of getting to the OR. I have no idea what it looked like. Now, they gave me a whole host of medicines. I don't even know which ones they gave me in that little room, because when I looked at the list of meds, there was a lot of stuff they gave me that would be falling under the category of conscious sedation all really good at erasing your mind and any recollection you have of the experience. So I didn't have a chance to get more nervous. That's my experience. Overall, I'd say it was pretty good. Totally new. I was very naive. I had no idea what was going to happen. And I'm not sure how much they normally explained to you about that whole process. Me, it turned out okay. But if I was a nurse in pre-op, I might want to explain a little more such as they're going to come here and give you some medicine and you won't even realize, you won't even remember going to the OR. I probably would share a little more gauging how how well my patient might accept that. Just to give a little bit of an expectation about the process for when you leave out of the pre-op holding room, my little room, what to expect. I realized, wow, I had no idea. And I will carry on with my surgical experience in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Connect today with the Career Wise Nurse podcast community. Do this by emailing belong at careerwisenurse.com. That's B-E-L-O-N-G at com. Join the CareerWiseNurse Facebook group. A link is provided at the bottom of the page. Leave a review for this podcast. Scroll past the episodes where you will see write a review. I read every review because I want to know what you think, what you want to know, who you want to meet to help you live your best nursing life. Tap on the stars to rate this podcast. Thank you. Talk to you soon.